I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, a woman's work facilitator, mentor, and coach, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment and leave a review as this is how you can help us reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. The Natural Birth Podcast also has a Patreon page, so if you'd like to shout me a cup of coffee to show me your appreciation for the podcast, then you can do that there. Thank you for all your support and love. It's deeply appreciated. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Juliet Allen. Juliet is a mama of two living in the Northern Rivers, New South Wales, Australia. She is Australia's leading sexologist and the host of the Authentic Sex Podcast and head teacher at Pleasure School. And in this episode, we will dive deeply into her conscious conception journey and years of preparation and miscarriages with her partner, Nick, as well as her first hospital birth with her daughter, and then her more recent one, a beautiful home birth with midwife Libby and her doula. It's not random that women have an empowering birth experience and a nourishing postpartum like Juliet did. It takes planning and prepping, body, mind and soul. And in this episode, Juliet shares it all to my delight. Curious about Juliet? Find her on Instagram as Juliet underscore Allen. Hey lovely, before we dive on into Juliet's episode, I want to make you aware of the spring special that we're running right now. The spring special coaching offer, you can book in for two sessions with me for the price of one. So if you have been wanting to work with me one-on-one, maybe work through your fears, maybe meet your birth trauma from a previous unhealed birth, maybe you want to prep for your rite of passage of birth and a nourishing postpartum, 
Or maybe you're just feeling the intensity of our times and want some loving space held for you as you transition during this epic year that we're living through. Well, right now you have the option to have two sessions with me for the price of one to be used between May to July. Find out more in the show notes or visit thenaturalbirthcourse.com. Hi, Juliet, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Really good and really happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on too. We've been trying for over half a year to actually get you on. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I left the country and time zones and babies and yeah, it's been a mission, but now we're here and I can't wait to hear about your beautiful home birth uh, with a good Mm. friend of mine, midwife Libby. And yeah, and I also know that you have your own podcast and you have shared about um, your conscious conception journey. So not maybe to go into depth in this podcast, because this is obviously the birth podcast, but I would love to hear a little bit about your thoughts around conscious conception and, um, and maybe a little bit about that journey just briefly before we kind of dive on in. And I also know that you've had two babies. So if you do want to kind of touch upon your first and the wisdom from the first and how that led to your, you know, this baby's arrival and everything, that would also be lovely. So with okay. no further ado, Juliet, just dive on in. Tell us the story. <laughs> sure. I can't wait. okay well um I love that you've asked about conscious conception because it's definitely something that is close to my heart and um was a really uh beautiful process for us also challenging so um it's nice to be able to share about it um so with my son who's now seven months old um I also have a 15 and a half year old so I have a teenager um and a teenage daughter and then soul is seven months uh, with soul's conception we uh, spent a lot of time preparing before we actually began to try to conceive and that was important for us because um firstly when nick and i got together i had there was a soul baby there and that's our son and um And I knew that there was a baby there wanting to come through, but Nick wasn't ready. So for us, the journey began right at the start when I could feel the strong presence of this soul. um, And and I was like, let's do it. And Nick (laughs) was like, no way, I'm not ready to be a dad yet. So um, we consciously went through a process of of, um, navigating the terrain of one of us wanting to, me wanting to be pregnant and have this baby in our life and Nick not being ready. And I think it started then and then um, knowing that eventually we would begin trying to conceive, we spent at least a year or so, um, if not a couple of years, just working really hard on our health, so doing like um, heavy metal detoxes and um, gut, gut detoxes and cleanses and working with a naturopath regularly and having lots of acupuncture and just doing all the things because we wanted um, my body to be really um, strong and prepared to, to go through a pregnancy and then everything that, you know, unfolds from birth. 
And Nick also wanted to be healthy because we knew that, you know, it's not just the woman's health that's important but also the man's. So um, that was um, that was a, a really nice process, that, that part. And then, um, yeah, and then we decided to go on a trip around Australia and so we um, got a caravan and loaded it up and took um, our teenage daughter um, with us and she kind of came back and forth um, in between her dad and us. But we started travelling and we started consciously trying to conceive and um, it was um, challenging because in eight months we had two miscarriages which were really challenging yeah. and um, and then Sol was conceived on the eighth cycle. So yeah. I reflect on it and at the time it felt like a lifetime and I know that in comparison to some people's journey journeys it definitely isn't and yeah. um but for anyone listening who is trying to conceive or who has, it can feel like so long each month going through the process and then, yeah. you know, losing a baby or um, or getting, you know, for me getting my period and being devastated I wasn't pregnant. But anyhow, he came at the perfect timing and that's the short version of a very yeah. long journey. And I guess, you know, that um, the whole thing with miscarriages, it's just, I love that you include that because it's so important to talk about and how that is such a common journey for women, whether it's, you know, trying to conceive your first or your second or whatever. It's a part of being woman. It's so common to actually go through that. It is a miracle mm-hmm. falling pregnant. And um, sometimes that, you know, that, um, that combination of that sperm and that egg at that time in that environment, in that womb, wasn't you know right or you know nature is so wise but still um it can be such a huge grieving process when that happens and that it's so important to acknowledge that and mm-hmm. and not to just kind of pass it away as a medical event or like just a you know a late period or something for some women mm-hmm. it's absolutely everything uh even mm-hmm. if it's a really early miscarriage of five weeks or six weeks it's mm-hmm. just as painful as if it was like a nine month baby um Mm. because you're so invested and it's your dream and all of that so I love that you do mention this because I think it it is a comfort to hear that you're not alone and that is also such a common thing um Mm. so if you do listen to this and you have been miscarriaging um also maybe seeing it as a blessing like no oh, my body's amazing my body knew this wasn't compatible with life or my you know this soul wasn't ready just this month it'll be ready when it's mm-hmm. ready and and to just keep the faith in that your body is wise and healthy and that it's nothing wrong yeah. with your body because you miscarry it's actually mm-hmm. a healthy sign just like our period is a healthy sign right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I agree and I also saw it as well something's going on in there like w- something's happening, you know, um, at least it's nothing, something was happening. And um, so it gave me a lot of hope that we could get pregnant. We just, the, the little souls, those, those two definitely weren't ready to be here. And um, I had a lot of trust in that too. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like it, it in a way is a blessing to experience in some weird way. 
yeah. uh, loss like that. Also, just to so that as a woman, I can understand what it's like for other women to experience loss. I feel like that's a blessing in a way to go through that pain because then when friends experience loss or a client or my whoever, I can have more empathy and compassion in understanding what it's like to yeah. lose, to miscarry like that. So Yeah. And then I know that you also touched upon how you both but maybe uh, especially your partner in your podcast mm-hmm. you talked about this um mm-hmm. how he went through a lot of also um preparing you know through going maybe through his fears and mm-hmm. um and maybe you know whatever kind of ancestral or, or family lineage or whatever stuff right and mm-hmm. I love when this is also brought up in this podcast when people talk about that aspect of conscious conception how we can both before we fall pregnant but also during pregnancy obviously this is the opportunity this rite of passage for both men and women to redefine what is parenthood and to really look at you know being conscious of your own journey and what you're going to pass on um and did you do something similar during your concert mm-hmm. like the the months before the years before and stuff like that before you yeah I did yeah um I worked with a kinesiologist she's actually a good friend of mine Zoe Bosco and she works with people um in the conception phase or prior to conception and takes women through a um, nine-week journey which takes them through the different chakras in the body and clearing each chakra and to conception and so I went on this journey with her while we were traveling and each week I'd have a a like a zoom call with her and we do um like a clearing on my heart center my you know all the different centers in my body and um each week we'd connect in with the soul baby that was there and communicate with the soul baby and so that was a big process of like letting go of heaps of fear and even stuff came up um really stuff that I wasn't aware that that I was still carrying around um the loss of a baby with a previous partner and the experience that I had and um a termination that I had when I was younger so like all this stuff came up through that and so that was really valuable And like you mentioned, Nick, my partner, also went through a huge um, process in wanting to really be ready to be a dad and not bring bring in, and, of course, we're all going to bring in a bit of our shit from our own upbringing and our parents and all that. Um, That's natural, but um, he didn't want to be impacted by how he was parented and by his relationship with his own father and bring that into his relationship with his Mm -hmm. children so he did heaps of work on that too and so yeah that was a huge part of it for us Mm, I just love that I think that such um if that can be done if there is consciousness in the parents to wanting to do that I think it's so valuable um Mm. to do that even before you fall pregnant but if you are pregnant right now listening to this you know to you can do this Mm. at any time it's never too late right and um Mm. you can do it by yourself just sitting in meditation reflecting you can also outsource obviously and and have someone to assist you or different therapists and it all depends on your possibility (laughs) financially and and everything Mm. but it's definitely something you can just do yourself as well 
Yeah, agreed. Reflecting, it's important. Okay, mm-hmm. well, thank you for just touching on that. I just, and if anyone mm. wants to listen more, you obviously have uh, two, I think, episodes on these with the conscious conception on your podcast. So, yeah, yeah we do. Find you there. So, let's mm. dive on into the actual birth story. So, you did have a 15 year old teenager. Did you have a natural and empowering birth with her as well? Do you want to touch upon that just briefly before diving into this one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, with um, Millie's birth, I was 23 and um, I really desired a home birth back then and I most definitely wanted to have a natural birth. Um, However, I didn't feel, I didn't even know where to go to have a home birth. Like I was so young. I'd just gotten back from travelling around the world. I was, um, yeah, just thought, okay, I'll go to the hospital and I'll just have a natural birth. And I didn't do much prep at all leading up to that birth. I just was very strong, like headed in like, I'm just going to not have drugs. And that that was my solution to everything. And um, I just thought it would be, I had no fear at all. Um, and so I went to the hospital and I had, the, the short version is I felt like I was up against the system throughout the entire process so I walked in and the midwife who I didn't know obviously because it wasn't um it was just random midwives that I got that I never met and she said oh um we've got some drugs like some morphine ready and I said no I don't I don't need that like I'm not having drugs have you seen my birth plan and um and she said every first woman has drugs for her labor you should have it. And I said, well, I've, I've told you no. And so that was like literally within 10 minutes of walking in to the birth suite. And then the labour was really um, quite long. I, I mean, I was in there for hours, like, I don't know, 30 hours or something. I, I really don't know the exact 40, I don't know. But um, I felt like I was advocating for myself the whole time. Mm. And it was it was difficult because I said no so many times to so many different offers of epidural and drugs and this and that. And mm. so um, at the time I was happy because I had um, a vaginal delivery and um, I didn't have an episiotomy despite them saying we're going to do an episiotomy. Do we have your permission? And I said, no, you don't have my permission. And then I got her out on the next push with mm. no stitches. Mm. like really crazy stuff but the short version is at the time it was the right birth for us and that was the way she was supposed to come into the world and um and I'm grateful that I didn't end up having go like the domino effect of all the intervention and that I was so um what would I say like strong in what I wanted and in advocating for myself but um what I learned from that was that um firstly I became a doula after she was born because I was like women need support and I need to be one of those women to support other women and advocate and help advocate for them but I just knew that if I have more children which I knew I would I would not be stepping foot in the hospital ever again. And that was from the moment that I gave birth to her. And um, so that kind of just set me on my path of um, learning more about birth and being interested in natural birth and, Mm. yeah. 
Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that story and what, yeah, being 23 and going in and and staying strong in that when you do have so much, because that is the system. That is when you go into the mm. hospital system. It's so important for women to know that. And it's mm. it shouldn't be like that, that you have to advocate for yourself. And mm. um, I think also that probably is making, um, especially first-time moms, labor and births potentially longer in the system as well. Um, mm. because you're taken out of your bubble all the time, out of that birth mm. bubble, out of being fully in that flow because people are talking to you and wanting your opinion and wanting your consent and wanting you to give you all these options. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so I understand that. Mm. Beautiful. So finally you get pregnant with your soul baby. Yeah. What happens then? Well, um, we got pregnant and the timing was perfect because we decided to head home from our trip. Mm. And I think he kind of landed in my womb just after we made that decision, which was really interesting because we were umming and ahhing, should we continue on the on our trip around Australia or not? And then we made this decision like, no, we're heading home. Mm. And then he landed and we found out we are pregnant on the way home. And um, and the pregnancy was amazing. Um, we decided we knew we were going to um, plan for a home birth. So, and I knew that midwives were quite a shortage in our area and the Shire, um, Byron Shire. So um, I found um, Libby. We found Libby, and we just had a Skype call with her. Or I think it was like a FaceTime call, and I just knew that she was the right midwife for us. So we booked her in. So that was that. And we we're like, cool, we've got our midwife and now we'll just cruise. And um, we didn't have any like blood tests. Um, we just did a pregnancy test and we we're like, cool, we're pregnant. And um, and yeah, and then we got back to um, the Northern Rivers in Australia and started looking for a house <laughs> to live in. And then um yeah, I'm not going to go deep into the pregnancy because that could be a whole podcast in yeah. itself. Um, but the pregnancy was amazing and, yeah, we didn't see a doctor once. We didn't step into a hospital or a doctor, not, nothing. It was just Libby and us yeah. and just trusting in the process, yeah. So you decided not to have ultrasounds, is that what you're saying? No, we actually did end up having ultrasounds. So... We um, we thought we'd just go with the flow and see how we feel. And then at about eight weeks, I was getting quite, um, I didn't really feel pregnant. And I, because of I'd have had three losses mm. in the past, um, I was just every time I went to the toilet, I was expecting to see blood when I wiped. And I was, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was anxious, but actually I probably was a bit anxious that I was going to miscarriage. Mm. So we chatted to Libby about it and she said, you know, you, you could get a scan. It's up to you, um, but it might just help you relax knowing that yeah. everything's okay. And it was the best thing that we did because we got to know there's a heartbeat and it was, it was like a moment of like, oh, okay, I can relax into this pregnancy and not worry so much about seeing blood on my undies every time. Yeah. And um, so we got that scan and then we got a scan at 20 weeks, um, which I wouldn't do next time. I just, 
yeah but that's just a personal preference yeah yeah beautiful okay so let's dive into the birth story now yeah have any like early signs of labor approaching for you any kind of any physical or spiritual emotional mental kind of inclination Mm. or sorry uh very early on from about 36 probably 35 weeks I started to have quite intense Braxton Hicks um Mm. and um so I was getting a lot of pressure down in my um pelvis and just yeah I I felt like my body was preparing quite early on I knew I'd be on time Millie was on time and I even thought I might go a bit early because I just felt so ready Mm. and um and so we got to 40 weeks exactly and I think 40 40 plus one um I woke up that morning and I'd been very um, inward during the whole pregnancy. Like I I was very antisocial. All I wanted to do was be in a little cocoon, just like watching Netflix, chilling, not doing much, eating a lot. I wasn't really, I didn't want to go out. And then I woke up one morning and I was like really irritated and said, we need to go out for breakfast. Like I need to get out the house. And so he was like, okay, we'll go out for breakfast, just doing whatever I wanted because it was just getting to the to the point of like I'm ready to to have give birth, and we went out for brekkie, and then um, I was running into the health food store to get some cacao because you know I had to keep my stocks up of chocolate at the time, and my waters broke as I was running through the rain to go into this health food store, and Nick was like just parking waiting for me, and so my waters broke wow. that morning, um, and. I so I jumped back in the car, went to the toilets, shoved heaps of toilet paper there, got back in the car. I was like, I think my water's just broke, but with Millie, they didn't break. Mm. Um, I don't, I think they might have broken them for me. So I didn't know what it felt like. Yeah. So we luckily had towels in the car, just random surf towels, chucked them underneath me, and there was so much water coming out. And we headed home and we were feeling so excited and relaxed. Like it was just like, oh, okay, cool. It's kind of happening, but it might not happen for another 24 hours. So I called Libby and she was like, yeah, it sounds like it's your waters. Let's just see, like, tell me what it smells like, you know, tell me the signs. And she's like, it sounds like it is. And it definitely was because from then onwards, I just had a trickle of waters coming out. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big sign. Yeah, definitely. And did you smell it? Yeah, I did. I did smell it. Um, I don't. I don't remember what she told me. It should smell like. Maybe is it? What should it smell like? Well, it actually smells a little bit similar to semen. Oh yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> yes, I know that smell very well. <laughs> um, yeah, it did. It did smell a yeah. bit like semen. So yeah, it's a good tip, and I like to. I like to say that because it is a good tip to. If you know, and yeah. honestly, right now, if you think that your waters have broken, put a pad on, just lie down 15 minutes, half an hour, sit up and have a smell. You can also see, like, then when you sit up, obviously, it's been pooling inside. So it's, you know, going to be a gush of water if it is the waters. And it'll smell a little bit like semen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mine was actually, I thought if my waters broke, it would just be a gush and then it was done. But yeah. mine was trickling out for hours on end. Like I put on an adult nappy. I had these adult nappies ready for, for <laughs> afterwards because I was like, I'm going for ease. Like I'm going to put on an adult nappy. And, yeah, they were, it was a lot of um, liquid. So Yeah, because it continues to replenish. That's the ama- amazing thing. Just because amazing? Yeah, because you're obviously your baby... It, you know, it's used, that's how they live, you know, they, they mm. need that water, that's their uh, cushioning and so it keeps on replenishing, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's also, you know, a lot of it is pee, so it's your baby's pee. <laughs> so it keeps yeah. on peeing inside yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> right? That's how it kind of is yeah. made up of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually ended up just walking around the garden naked for a while when we got home and just let the waters go into the um the earth here, which was really nice and kind of sat on the grass and just enjoyed being in nature and yeah, it was a really beautiful time. So that was that was that day and then that night we went to sleep and um there was not no surges, not not nothing and I just felt super relaxed. Um, I think Nick did a bit of like um, prepping around the house, I'm not sure, and then we went to sleep and um, I knew I should just try and get as much sleep as possible. Um, So we woke up. I woke up about, I don't know, 5 a.m. and I felt, I think I dreamt that I was um, having contractions or I called them surges. That was just what I wanted to refer them to. So I felt them and then I just knew, okay, it's started. So I got up, I left Nick sleeping, which was my intention if it happened like this, which is quite funny because I visualised my birth throughout the entire pregnancy and I did a lot of um, like Joe Dispenza guided meditations to manifest the birth and I also did another um guided birth meditation like twice a day I was like I'm gonna get this birth I want to have this beautiful birth mm-hmm. so I'd visualize that I would get up early morning and leave Nick asleep and just spend some time with myself first and that's what I did I got up and um just kind of tuned into my body and the sun was starting to come up and the kookaburras were singing and there was this beautiful mist over the valley where we live and so I went outside and it was winter so it was really cold but it was like so nice and fresh out there and I um, just stood on the balcony and just was like oh this is like it gives me goosebumps it was just the best day ever the best and um yeah, and then I went back into the bedroom and I think I was having a surge, so I was kind of on the edge of the bed just leaning over it and Nick woke up and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've, it started. And he was like, oh, my God, okay. And um, I said, it's okay, babe, like it's really mild. Like I'm enjoying this. There's no pain, but I know it's rhythmic. And so, um and so he, um, we got up and went outside and, you know, watched the sunrise and just enjoyed the moment. And then I messaged Libby and just said, hey, it started, but, like, you know, I'll let you know later. Don't just know that yeah. I'll be giving birth today. And I messaged my doula. So we'd also found a beautiful doula and we wanted, really wanted a doula 
um, more so for the postpartum period because we planned on a really slow postpartum. We wanted to, to, to have a slow first 40 days. And so we found our doula Maggie and she's really focuses on the postpartum period, but she's also an amazing doula. So she lived two hours away Um And so I knew I had to let her know sooner rather than later. So I just let her know and said, look, they're actually quite um, rhythmic. Like they're they're happening, I don't even know, I wasn't timing it. I never timed one. Mm. I didn't really do any of that. But I said they're they're happening like quite close together. I reckon you should probably get ready and come because we just don't know. Like it's my second baby and, you know. So that was that. We prepped the birth team and then Nick and I just Nick chopped lots of wood because we um started the fire and we wanted to have a fire going for the whole birth in inside so he was outside chopping wood and I was just enjoying just chilling on the couch and yeah just like being really present mm. um and then a couple of hours later Maggie arrived our doula and I remember her arriving and thinking, oh, I've asked her to come too early because this just feels so mild. Maybe I've got hours and hours to go. And um, so I said, I kind of put her to work and said, can you make me this, these muffins? They're my favourite muffins from my childhood. Mm. Here's the recipe. And she was like, yep, onto it. So she started baking and so I just chatted with her in the kitchen and when a surge came, I'd just like lean over the kitchen bench and go through it. And then we keep chatting and then um, she started to make some this rice porridge thing that she makes. She said, I will have this. You can have this for breakfast after the birth. So I'll start to slow cook this. So she was just prepping food. Mm. And then Nick finished his jobs. And so Nick and I just chilled on the couch and um, cuddled and, yeah, when a surge came, he'd do some pressure points in my back and massage my back and then I'd sit down and start chatting again. And it was just really, like, cruisy. The fire was on. It was warm and cosy. The birth pool was set up next to the fire. Yeah. Um, my teenage daughter was happened to be staying at her dad's, uh, which was really perfect timing because she actually chose she didn't want to be at the birth. She... Um, chose not to be and we totally respected that for whatever reasons she had so it actually landed perfectly the whole timing of it and yeah I was cruising and then a surge came and it was really intense and Nick said you know maybe we should call Libby and I said no like it's going to be ages because, you know, Millie's birth was like I think from start to finish 40 hours or something. So from like the moment I thought I was, you know, feeling something to when she was born. So I just couldn't get my head around that it could happen a lot quicker than that. So I said, no, no, like just it's fine. Like Libby's only 30 minutes away. And so he's like, okay, but I could tell he was like, oh, I reckon <laughs> we need Libby here. And um. And also, I think, to be honest, I didn't mind not having Libby there if that's what happened. So I had every confidence in my body that if I began to push and I birthed without her there, it was all going to be okay. So, yeah, I think I just kind of 
wasn't too attached either way, to be honest. Um, and anyhow, um, we started to fill the pool because the surges were getting closer together and more intense. And I still didn't feel like they were painful. It was just really in, an intensity and pressure, and um, and but very manageable. And then we started to fill the pool and then I was like, I think I was about to get in and I said, oh, my God, I need a push. <laughs> and Nick's like, we're calling Libby. <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, call Libby. And it just so happened that Libby was was on her way because she thought I'll just go check on her and if she's fine I'll leave but I just she kind of thought I'm just gonna go and check and yeah, I she got a fine. feeling she got an intuition yeah. Mm. yeah and so um I got in the pool and um it was amazing like so uh like just so beautiful to be in the warm water and just so nice to be able to float around and be in like the cocoon of the water and the pool too. And so that was great, but the intensity really ramped up. And a few moments later, Libby arrived and I went from zero to nothing. So like those first few hours were so um, easeful and graceful and peaceful. Mm. And then the pressure came on and I was like, I feel like pushing. And as I was felt like pushing, Libby walked in and um and I I was in my own little world. So my eyes were closed and but I knew she was there because I I could just hear a different presence in the room. But she was very like the most ideal midwife, didn't say much, just kind of breezed on in. And she's very humble too, you know, Libby. She's mm. very like understated in just how amazing she is she's just yeah whenever I talk about Libby I feel like crying it, and I talk, <laughs> whenever I share my story it's like Libby always talking about her brings up so much she always I don't know what it is I think I'm just so grateful for her presence and how humble she is like she is such an epic woman and midwife but she's so just humble is what I would say in how she approaches everything. And so she just trusts birth so much that there's just like not one ounce of fear in her body around it. And I think that's what makes the difference Yeah, is having a birth team that just completely trust in the process of birth Yeah, because then there's just nowhere to go with your fear aside from within and processing exactly. it. And yeah. yeah, so, so yeah. Um. Do you want a natural birth, Mama? Then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? 
Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. The surges ramped up and I felt like pushing. And so I think Libby had a little look with a mirror in the water and um, she said if you feel like it, you could put your finger in and just see how close, if there's a head there or if not. So I did. And I could feel his head. I feel like I might be leaving a few things out. I'm just trying to seven months ago. And um, so, yeah, I could feel his head. Um, and that was one of the best moments was being able to feel my baby's head inside my vagina mm. and um, just know like how close he was. Um, but it did take a while to get him down to there. So I think I've left out the fact that Libby came in and then it took a couple of hours of actively really pushing down and like bearing down. Mm. So to get him down, so I, I got to 10 centimetres, I would have been, we never did any internals except for my own internals, but we got to 10 centimetres um, with no pain. I, I genuinely can say it was just more intensity. Mm. And then once I got to there, though, I was spending at least two or three hours, like, getting him kind of down through mm. and out, and that was the most intense part for me. Um, and I was unable to wee too. I just couldn't wee, so I kept trying to go to the toilet, but something was stopping me from weeing, mm. um, which was kind of annoying, to be honest, because I just yeah. wanted to empty my bladder. Yeah. Um, and anyhow, I put my fingers in, fast forward to a couple of hours of intensity and um, me saying to Nick at one stage, we're not having another baby after this. I'm just <laughs> letting you know. So I must have just been yeah. just in one of those moments of it's all too much. And he was like, that's okay. We can just have this one. <laughs> and I think that's when I was sitting on the toilet trying to wee. Yeah. But it can be really tricky in the end to wee. Um, you know, there's just a lot, everything gets, you know, less space in there, right? And urethra mm -hmm. as well can be kind of almost clamped off from, you know, from just, yeah, the baby and everything, right? So, mm -hmm. and it can just be really hard to access the relaxation to we uh, in that, isn't it? With the intensity too that you went through. Yeah. Yeah. Year. So, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was hard to we. Um, so I jumped in and out of the pool a couple of times, which was a big effort, but I did it. I just did anything Libby suggested because I thought, well, she kind of knows. Like, yeah. And I trust her. And um, 
so I was in the pool and I could feel his head and and then Libby said he's got hair she must have seen in the mirror and I was like yeah. what he's got hair I didn't think he'd have hair I don't know why but I imagined a bald baby yeah don't know why and I was so happy to hear he had a head of like dark hair. And so I put my fingers in again and I could feel his hair. And, and then I invited Nick to put his fingers inside and feel his head. And that was really special that Nick could touch his baby mm. for the first time, you know, inside me. Mm. That was a really special moment. Um, the water was beautiful but I wasn't really progressing much in the pool and it was getting to a point where I was ready for him to be out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the first thing that Libby suggested to me was um, firstly between surges I'd been putting pressure on my clitoris but literally just pressing on it Mm. and I hadn't realised I was doing it. It must have just been me like holding it. And then Libby said to me, um, Juliet, are you open to self-pleasuring in between contractions? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that for sure. And I think she made a joke and said, of course you will, like as if you were going to say no to that. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So in between surges, I would just touch my clitoris, but instead of putting pressure on, it would be more so touching it when I was self-pleasuring, mm. as though I was self-pleasuring. But it wasn't, it didn't feel like a sexual, like, oh, I'm in, like, mm. this sexual energy. But it felt good and it distracted me from everything else. Yeah. And I and what it did also was bring the surges on quicker. So as soon as I started to do that, everything ramped up and they started to, to become closer together again. Um, so that was amazing and a really good, I'm glad she suggested it. And I'm glad I also intuitively was kind of touching my clitoris. Mm. Um, so that was a surprise in a way because I hadn't planned on doing that during birth. I just wanted a peaceful birth. Mm. Just because I'm a sexologist didn't mean I wanted to have like an orgasmic sexual birth. I was like, I'm just aiming for like staying at home, peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> Anything on top of that is a bonus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was amazing. And then um, and then Libby suggested that perhaps I get out the pool because um, in the pool nothing was progressing, like I said. So it took me a while to get out because I was very comfortable in the water. Mm. But I eventually got out and she said, would you be open to squatting? And I was like, oh, that's a, in my head I'm like squatting, like <laughs> That's a big ask <laughs> at the moment. But I got out and we um, Nick sat on the couch and then I squatted and he kind of held me up. And, um, and then I leant against the back of the couch. So my back was on mm. the couch and positioned my feet on the floor and it just felt so good to be grounded and on the earth and I didn't realize that's what I needed um I'm not I'm a very earthy person I'm not very watery or airy in in my nature and so I feel like that was the best thing that Libby could have suggested for me and again having the importance of having that birth team who are intuitive experienced 
in touch with what their client needs, in touch with what I needed. And she knew me too. We'd had nine months together of chilling and having cows together and just chatting and getting to know each other. So she knew my personality. So as soon as I squatted, I was like, game on, I'm ready. Like this baby's coming down. And I reckon 20 minutes later he was born. So, um, yeah, it, and it felt so good to be on the earth. And the fireplace was right in front of us. We didn't intentionally line it up, but, like, the fireplace, we were facing the fireplace. So Nick could, couldn't could see um, Sol coming out. However, he could see it in the reflection of the fire. So that's just like amazing that that happened like that, that he got to see his son being birthed in these flames that like it's amazing. (laughs) And, um, yeah, he was, I pushed him out and that was the easiest part, to be honest, like the actually having him come out, physically coming out of my vagina, um, yeah, he came out and he was, you know, cried straight away, opened his eyes straight away, was very alert. Um, we didn't know what um, whether he was a boy or a girl. Oh. We knew he was a boy, like intuitively, because we'd felt the, 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 his spirit as a boy before he was conceived. Mm. And the whole pregnancy, we just thought he was a boy. But we also had that thing of like, oh, my gosh, imagine if it's a girl. Yeah. Uh, imagine and um so we had a look and there was his penis and that was one of the best moments too of like oh my god it was you the whole time I knew you were a boy and um that was an amazing moment for us um and and we both actually really wanted a son too Mm. like to be honest I never said that during pregnancy but I really wanted a son actually and so did Nick so it was like an even better moment when we're like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then do you want me to go into like the placenta and the birth of that? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely curious about that. So you're sitting in front of fire and you're squatting. Did you squat the whole way through as the baby was born as well? You were just squatting the whole way through. And did you reach oh, down yeah. and catch your baby? Was Libby there to help you lift the baby up or? No, I didn't reach down because I was propped up on Nick's kind of legs. Um, And so Libby did suggest, would you like to reach down? And I was like, I cannot do that. No, like (laughs) it's just too much manoeuvring. So, yeah, I was squatting as I birthed him um, and Libby kind of caught him and put him up on my chest. And then I just leant back a bit, but I stayed squatting for a bit. Um, I think I eventually kind of sat down on my bum and had him on my chest. Yeah. Um, and then you and then you sat there and you birthed the placenta sitting, or how did you end up birthing the placenta? Yeah, um, I sat there with him and the placenta came maybe 20 minutes later. Um, and I just birthed the placenta. We kept the cord attached. Um about the placenta, I think sitting, I think so. Or maybe I was lying or something. I don't remember actually, to be honest. I think I was sitting um, and that was really nice to birth the placenta. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it actually. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. What was the sensation for you? 
it was like a big jellyfish coming out. Yeah. It was like a, it was, it felt really relieving. It was like, oh, it's out. And the reason why it was such a relief for me going back to my daughter's birth was because I, the, the placenta wasn't coming out in the timing that the hospital wanted it to. Mm. And in the end, they pulled on the cord and it snapped. And then they told me you have a retained placenta and you need to go to surgery. Mm. So I ended up being separated from my daughter and going and having it manually removed. And they told me it was a retained placenta. However, when we got the birth notes, 15 years later, Libby requested them from the hospital. Mm. It wasn't a retained placenta. They just that wasn't anywhere in the notes it was that it snapped and the time ran out and they just needed yeah. to get it out yeah. so that i had a bit of trauma around that which i've cleared through yeah. the pregnancy so yeah but i felt trust in this placenta but it was really cool to be able to birth a placenta and have it happen in such an easeful way this is really a big part of the reclaiming of birth i feel that's um still kind of not fully embraced by even women who might want to have a natural birth, they don't even think about the third stage, the placenta, the mm. birth of the placenta. And this crucial time after birth when you're so open, you're so vulnerable, you know, this is a really huge part of the birthing process that some don't even reflect on. And mm. ev- even if you're birthing at home or in the birth center, a lot of places around the world of practitioners will still treat that stage as a medical event so they'll give an injection in the leg and do that controlled Mm -hmm. core traction if you don't actually talk about wanting it to be natural even Mm -hmm. if you're actually aiming to have a natural birth this might be just assume that this is what's being done it's still not really by even home birth means where sometimes the birth center is considered as you know let's do that natural too and it's such an important part you know the allowing the cord to stay attached to the placenta until the placenta is actually birthed naturally, mm-hmm. allowing um, the cord to go white, allowing the pulsation to stop, mm-hmm. maybe even doing a lotus birth, but you don't have to do that. But just that mm-hmm. stage of not rushing it, of not seeing that as something just to medically manage because now we have the baby, to actually mm-hmm. see that as a sacred time for you to bond with your baby, for the placenta to fully empty the blood into the baby because it's the baby's blood, all of this, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And when you say that, because I, I recognize this because I work a lot with women who have had birth trauma and some have mm-hmm. trauma around the third stage, not actually the birth, but the, the third stage of not mm-hmm. of being rushed, of being given injections without their consent or being hassled about doing that as they've just birthed their baby. And so mm-hmm. I really encourage all mamas to really think about the whole way through, right? Both the conscious conception, if possible, the, the birth and the third stage, and obviously the mm-hmm. postpartum, which we'll get into, but yeah, just this is such important information that you're sharing and that a lot of women don't understand maybe why things happen to them too. Like you thought you had a retrained placenta, but actually it was the rushing of that stage and the snapping of the cord, which is telling me that they obviously pulled it before it was actually detached. Even oh, yeah. Wall, right? Yeah. Um, mm. And it can be, you know, and that's something that does happen because practitioners are just rushing something that's not ready to happen Mm. yeah we um 
Yeah, Libby, that was something that Libby definitely made a point about during the preparation was she said, you know, the birth is not finished until the placenta is birthed and have you thought about that stage and then have you thought about what you're going to do in the first 40 days because that's, for her, she said that's one of the most important things to prepare for. Never mind the birth, she's like, you need to prepare for that. Mm -hmm. And that was really um cool that she mentioned that I mean it was always very much at the forefront of our minds that we wanted to prepare for that but it was nice to have her support us in that Mm. and um yeah and we did choose to have a lotus birth too so so we did choose to have a lotus birth um and that was something that we were both really interested in and we read lots about during the pregnancy and then we just intuitively fell into it and knew that it was the right thing for us and for our baby. So, um, and what inspired us, aside from the many um, benefits and health benefits that we we had read that it would offer our child, was the fact that we'd have a very slow postpartum, especially for those first seven days or however long it took for the cord to detach um, naturally. So. Um, yeah, that was an amazing experience and something that we would definitely do again. And I think that contributed to um, Sol's, um, his nature. He's very calm and, like, chilled out and he's always been that way. And do they say that lotus birth babies are very calm um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to the way he is. It's not just that we did that but I think that that was a nice way for him to enter into the world, to have that slowness and the fact that we didn't just, you know, cut the cord and Mm. separate him from something that had nourished him and been like part of him for such a long time. Mm. Um, And we, yeah, we were very like had so much respect and reverence for his placenta and, we planted it in the garden here under an avocado tree and we had a ceremony for that. And, um, yeah, it was a really beautiful experience. Beautiful. Yeah, the lotus birth option is a, quite a spiritual option, isn't it? And mm-hmm. seeing the placenta, you know, some cultures really see the placenta as like the baby's twin or, you know, mm-hmm. there's just there's so much reverence around the world in traditional cultures for the placenta and you know, burying it obviously is one of the indigenous practices of Australia. Um, mm-hmm. Thinking that the placenta holds the blueprint of your baby's kind of journey on Earth, and um, mm-hmm. and how as the, a woman or a girl has her first bleed or the boy has her his first seed, that kind of activates that blueprint as it lands on the Earth, right? So mm-hmm. there's so such beautiful different traditions and beliefs around that placenta, and it's such a shame how generally it's just discarded as waste because it's literally put in a waste bag and thrown away and Mm. yeah so the more people actually even just the acknowledgement of it I think is enough if you don't want to keep it then you know at least look at it or Mm. pay the respect that it needs it's this amazing organ that you've grown like how amazing (laughs) and the and the female body like how amazing is it that it can Mm. grow this amazing new organ massively Mm -hmm. big too you know and of Mm -hmm. course that you know that's what happens in the first trimester when you're so extremely tired it's actually the placenta that takes so much of your energy Mm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Beautiful. Yeah. So when you've got the placenta, what do you do then? Do you just kind of snuggle down in your bed or what was what was the time? Actually, what was the kind of time from the first, <laughs> of, you know, that kind of when you woke up at 5 a.m. till you actually had your baby? He was born at 5.16 p.m., so <sighs> right. 12 hours from when I woke up. And I, I'd say I think we calculated it as about five hours of, of active yeah. labour. Yeah. So sounds like yeah um so what did we do um we stayed in the lounge room for a while we were kind of snuggling on the floor there was a mattress on the floor next to the couch so we stayed there we called my daughter and told her I think we facetimed her and told her um that he was born and because she was the first person we wanted to tell and then we all had something to eat I think we had avocado on toast and some muffins something and um and the midwives because we had a backup midwife she came Mel she came right at the end she was amazing so her and Libby got just emptied the pool cleaned up um there was a bit of blood on the couch and it's a white couch so Mel was like scrubbing the couch just doing things that make me very happy which is cleaning and tidying my home which you know I'm a bit of a I like to have a tidy home and they were just doing all that and uh, I barely noticed that until I looked around and everything was done like the birth pool was put away like it, it was like an epic cleanup and um yeah and then I decided um I'd get into bed which um yeah I love my bed it's like my safe sacred space and so we got into bed I didn't have a shower I decided I'll just shower in the morning I just wanted to like be in bed with him and um, I think Maggie, my doula, brought me a bowl of soup or something and I had that and then everyone left and we got into bed and I was just in the having the best high ever from all the great hormones and just so in love with my child, um, the best, the best, yeah. And just I think I was up most of the night. He was asleep. And I was just like looking at him, just watching him sleep, and yeah, and and then we had a very beautiful postpartum time. Very like the best time of my life was those first forty days. Just so amazing. Um, had so much support from our from Maggie, who would visit um, every week, twice a week for the first week, I think, and then every week for six weeks. And so we loved having her visit. Every time she visited through the whole pregnancy and the everything, we'd make her a cacao. We'd all have cacao together. And so she'd come and Nick would make the cacao. We had our little ritual as our little, like, family, birth family. And so she would visit us and Maggie would come twice a week and she'd cook for us and prepare meals and enough meals for, like, a couple of days. And um, she would tidy the house and make my bed like just little things that just made such a difference you know hold soul while um I had a shower and then um you know a couple of weeks in she would um 
I'd do Yoni steaming. So she'd set up the steam and she had like this amazing seat that you sat on and she'd set up the herbs and she'd make baths, she'd run baths for me with flowers in them and candles and she'd be like, okay, now's the time for you and I'd have like a bath and her or Nick would hold soul. And so really nice rituals for me um, and just always feeding me. I was so hungry, so hungry. And so she was always giving me snacks and yeah, I just felt really supported. And we also chose not to have family or friends visit um, in the first 40 days. So we were very protective of our space and energy. Um, we we didn't want to, have, want to have to be entertaining anyone yeah. in, in that time. We We just, yeah, we just felt into it and we wanted to be able to connect with him and have our daughter, Millie, connect with him and be together as a family and not have to have be managing visitors from interstate etc so Mm. um that was a really cool decision and a a big boundary we put up which kind of was unusual for a lot of people to hear but um, for us it felt right to just definitely and the more you kind of know about just the more you understand about this being a rite of passage and more you understand about your postpartum and how you emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally are going through this massive change. Even if you had a baby before, like you have, each time it's the same. Mm -hmm. And to have this time as a sacred time to really bond as a family, when you understand the importance of initiating breastfeeding and how that actually takes weeks to do, Mm -hmm. and it's a delicate balance. And then when you understand how fragile your baby is and how, they are only awake a very small time and that time really just it needs you and it needs to be fed it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be passed around in different energies and mm-hmm. and when you understand that in these weeks you get to learn your unique baby's communication style and mm-hmm. and you need to have that time to really fully optimally get that and um, mm-hmm. then this is an obvious choice but very few people actually have that awareness, right? And so I love that this is something you share. And I I always try to encourage parents to really prepare for this postpartum as well and, and, and treat it as a sacred time. Um, and I love when they do and they really claim it as theirs. Yeah. What we did was we sent a group message to all our close friends and family when I was about probably 35 weeks pregnant, just saying, hey, everybody, like, you know, the time is coming when we're preparing to birth and um, so this is what we ask of you. Once the baby's born, we'll let you know when we're ready um, and um, we'll let you know when we're ready for visitors. Um, So and then when you do visit, we ask that you don't, we don't have to entertain. You come, you help around the house, you put a load of washing on, you bring food. So we were very specific um, with what we wanted. Mm. And, yeah, it was beautiful. Everyone respected that. And Nick and I are quite sensitive to other people's energies, so we knew that our little boy would be two and any baby would be. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it worked perfectly for us. And, again, it was a very easeful time and, it was, yeah, very calm and sleeping really well. And so I think it was the perfect choice for us. Beautiful. That's so lovely. Mm-hmm. So, Juliet, if you had a first-time mama in front of you right now, he's about to have her first baby. 
Mm-hmm. And she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience. What advice mm-hmm. and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? Oh, that's a big question. So much I could would love to offer first-time mums. Um, hmm. Just to trust in trust in their intuition and know that they know what's best for them and they know what's best for their baby and to make the time to connect in with the wisdom of your body and the wisdom of your womb and the wisdom of your baby because when we can do that as as a as a pregnant mama who's going to birth I think it makes all the difference and just to not listen too much to anyone outside of yourself other than you because we have it all within us like we've been doing this for years and years and years we're built for this so trust in the intuition and stay home as long as possible avoid the hospital as long as possible if you are going to hospital yeah not not um nothing out of the ordinary there with the advice I would give but Mm. yeah that's my first thing I can think of well that's pretty um well it's pretty covers it though doesn't it because if you really trust yourself and your intuition you know if you need you need to learn more about the process you know if your mind needs to understand the process more you know if you um want to have extra support like a doula you know Mm. your intuition would tell you where you should birth where you feel the most safe so Mm. um and those are the really important things isn't it that we all kind of discuss that you you did so much prep you you intuited what you needed and you did so much because having a a positive birth experience is not random you know you generally women who have really empowered births um have done so much prep right Mm -hmm. and and it looks different Mm -hmm. for everybody what that is but I guess um when you do really have a good relationship with your intuition it'll tell you what it is Mm. that you need and how you kind of absorb energy and and information how you integrate that into your being is it watching a lot of birth videos is it listening to the yeah. birth stories is it um taking courses is it having a doula mm. or a private midwife that can share information yeah mm. it's just doing I think the preparation is important like you said it's no it's not luck that got me to having a great birth it's not a freak thing it's like I spent so long preparing for this I visualized it I worked with, I also worked with Jane Hardwick Collings one-on-one and as a couple we did to prepare for the birth, like so many different things we did mm. to to really support us in our vision that we held yeah. for our son more than anything, to be able to come into the world in a into a beautiful environment in an easeful way with beautiful people around. Mm. Like it's all for him, you know. Mm. It's like so... Yeah, do the preparation. That's my advice. Prepare as much as you can. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for yeah being patient with me too. And it's 
been a um, long time coming and it's an honour to be on your podcast. And thank you, you know, as I was saying when we weren't recording during my pregnancy, I was listening to lots of the birth stories on your podcast and I think I sent a few to my partner, Nick, to listen to. And um, I really love the way that you approach um, the topic and keep doing what you're doing because it's so necessary in the world, especially now more than ever, especially in Australia with the current birthing situation with COVID. There's so many women who need this. So don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much for the encouragement. It means a lot. I love hearing that what I do here is making a difference. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it, leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as the natural birth podcast. Thank you for listening.